0: That as long as it was pink and powdered, any random combination of locally available drugs could be turned into 2C. I'm Yuki, joined by my co-host Reggie, and you're listening to Modern Day Hippie, the podcast about doing drugs in a responsible, fun, and safe way to improve your life. Before we jump into today's episode, a quick legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Our goal is to educate and inform others about the realities of substance use in an engaging format by listening to this podcast, you agree not to attempt to recreate anything found in this episode or any of our other content. We are not confessing to any accident in this podcast. The content in this episode should not be treated as factual or real in any way. Now with that, we hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome back, all you modern day hippies. Hope you're having an absolutely vibey day. It's just your boy Yuki here today. And I wanted to share something that I thought was incredibly special and useful. Today's the day that I'm going to share with you the definitive history of 2C, which is also known as pink cocaine and is the drug that is often confused with 2CB. Now, the reason I wanted to specifically share this today was because I finally found what I think is the most comprehensive story as to what is behind this 2C phenomenon, and it's through an article that was published in 2022 in July. And so I wanted to walk through this article, give a bit of commentary, and ultimately just educate all of us on where TUSI came from and how it started off from 2CB. Without further ado, let's get into the article, and I will interject some comments throughout. The title is TUSI, the pink drug cocktail that tricked Latin America. A string of seizures across Latin America have revealed how TUSI, a pink synthetic drug powder, is expanding into new countries and increasing its share of the region's flourishing synthetic drug markets. In June, TUSI consumption was reportedly booming in the nightclubs of Barquisimeto, a city in western Venezuela, while TUSI refining laboratories were discovered in Peru and Panama. Uruguay's government and Costa Rica's press railed against the drug spread just as police in Paraguay made one of their first ever domestic interdictions. However, for such a widespread substance, there was considerable disagreement about what it actually was. In Panama, a police spokesman said 2 was ketamine, cut with the pharmaceutical opiate Tremadol. In Venezuela, media claimed it was LSD with a dash of MDMA. In Uruguay, the interior minister suggested it was a mixture of cocaine, methamphetamine, and LSD. So I think these last two paragraphs really get to the core of the matter here that number one, 2C really originated in South America and there it's been a massive drug for a long time and it's slowly made its way both up north to North America and to Europe as well. Now, the other big question here is just not knowing what the hell is in this drug. And that's one of the biggest issues when you're buying 2C or even a substance that is branded as 2CB. You just never know what's in it. And for God's sake, it's just something that you need to test. I mean, I would be surprised if all of these countries and their interior ministers and whatever tested the drugs internally and they all got these different results because ultimately it is a drug cocktail. Back to the article. In a way, they were all wrong. 2C, also known as 2 2CB, spelled out, the word 2CB, or pink cocaine, is not a single substance, nor is it even just a drug cocktail. 2C is a narcotic name brand, said an expert interviewed by Inside Crime. It is the Coca-Cola of drugs, an instantly recognizable product of mass merchandising. Below, we've tracked the four major stages of the 2C craze in Latin America, starting off in Medellin, Colombia, the birthplace of 2C. It began as a phonetic translation, 2C-B was first synthesized by US chemists in the 1970s as part of a broader group of hallucinogenic phenethylamines called the 2C family, which included 2C-C and 2C-D. These designer drugs created both the euphoria of MDMA and the visual distortions of LSD. Note, this is how 2C-B is often described to the audience and through mixtures that these cartels put together, they're trying to emulate that similar effect. Now, most of these 2C variants were banned in the 90s as part of like a Schedule 1 categorization in the US, and they subsequently fell into obscurity. But 2CB survived, carving out a niche for itself in European discos. In the late 2000s, it reached Colombia's nightclubs, courtesy of rich youngsters in Medellin, who had small quantities smuggled from Europe by post, according to an article by El Colombiano. They sold it within their upper-class social circles, mostly as the whitish powder or small pill that 2CB still comes as today. It quickly began cultivating attention as a quote-unquote elite drug, a synthetic European import far more expensive than the locally produced cocaine that Colombia's middle and working classes were increasingly using. This shift was accelerated by a feat of marketing genius, 2CB powder can look unappealing and it is notoriously painful to snort. So some early vendor began mixing their powder with an aromatic pink food coloring. Not only did it make consumption significantly more pleasant, but the bright pink color created a striking new visual aesthetic. According to Julian Andres Quintero, investigative sociologist, at Social Technical Action, a Colombian drug policy NGO. The food coloring was important. This is what gives it its color and smell. It became an attractive substance, he told the writer. The pink look quickly caught on, causing demand to rapidly increase. According to Julian Quintero, police and media only facilitated this growth when a police officer told an unquestioning journalist about a pink cocaine seizure, leading to a sensationalist misnomer that gave the substance even further allure. It's honestly hilarious and ironic how... The, the spread of this drug was purely like a probably half thought out branding play and you don't think of branding in the context of drugs all that much. I think the area where I've seen it the most in is in different types of ecstasy pills so you'll hear about like orange Teslas or pink Playstations or whatever and presumably that leads people to believe that all of these ecstasy pills across the US potentially the world that look the same are the same you can never be sure of that and the exact same thing applies to 2C But these cartels or whoever originally made the uh, the, the pink cocaine version of it, they really applied this marketing principle to a powder for what I think is the first time. Yet, while demand was high, supply remained far too low. Even in Europe, 2C-B was a niche drug, and only a tiny portion of that was even reaching South America. So, Colombian vendors began cutting it heavily, bulking their powder with caffeine and synthetic drugs like MDMA and ketamine, which though also European imports were cheaper and more available. The chemical combinations deferred, but the format was normally the same. A nice smelling pink powder that contained at least a stimulant, an upper, and a depressant or a downer. Worldwide, the general term for this is a speedball. Soon enough, the 2CB or 2C fueling Medellin's nightlife contained almost no actual 2CB. To this day, the purity has never recovered, and 2CB is extremely rare in Latin America, according to a 2021 report by the UN Office of Drugs and Crime. Now getting into the expansion across Colombia. In 2010, a low-level criminal named Alejo, arrived in Bogota. Alejo was one of the first Tusi refiners, those retailers who dyed Tusi B pink and drowned it with other synthetics in artisanal drug kitchens. According to a 2012 article, Alejo started out refining and selling Tusi in Medellin, but he ran afoul of the city's hegemonic crime group, the Oficina de Envigado. Forced to flee for his life, he moved to Cali. Once again, though, local gangsters sent him packing. He learned his lesson the third time, moving to Bogota with the protection of a crime boss named Maquina. Tusi's reputation had by now reached the Colombian capital, and Alejo was soon dealing five to eight kilos a week. Tailored towards high-income customers, it wholesaled for up to $43,000 per kilo, about 33 times more than the equivalent $1,300 brick of cocaine. By 2012, Colombian media were reporting how Tusi was now the status drug of the Bogota elite, giving it a healthy publicity boost in the process. Columbia's largest weekly magazine even claimed it was a favorite of models, beauty queens, actors, and politicians. So you can see how we've gone from this brand aspect of just creating, planting the seed, essentially, of this unique powder. And now you're associating it with these celebrities, these famous people, these rich people. And so, of course, more and more people are going to want to get access to it because it feels and sounds so exclusive. You're at the club and the music is thumping, but you, you've got nothing left in the tank. So what do you do? Sniff some cacao. Yup, you heard that right. Sniff some cacao. It's the hottest new trend in the club and party scene. One bum-sized sniff of raw chocolatey powder contains the caffeine equivalent to a half cup of coffee and boom, it hits instantly. And the best part is you can now sniff cacao anytime, anywhere, right out in the open, in front of the DJ booth or the stage, even at the VIP table with your friends. Now, how does that happen without drawing unwanted attention? Snowgo's spring-loaded bump straws make it possible. These classy, triple-mirror-polished bump straws are the safest, most discreet way to enjoy sniffing cacao. In fact, you've most likely already seen people wearing Snowgo's bump straws as pendants around their necks without even knowing it. Discover why sniffing cacao using Snowgo bump straws is being called the biggest revolution in partying since the invention of rock and roll. Jump on over to SnogoStraws.com to learn more. That's S-N-O-G-O-S-T-R-A-W-S.com and use discount code MDH15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. It became an object of desire, an aspirational object, said Julian Quintero. People believed that by consuming the substance, they could belong or appear to belong to elite circles. Business was booming for Alejo, but in March 2012, Maquina was arrested, and having lost his criminal protector, Alejo was kidnapped by a notorious Cali crime family. They allegedly forced him to reveal his formula and expelled him from the trade for good. This did nothing to reduce local 2C production. On the contrary, it was growing so much that in 2013, Colombia's police director responded to the seizure of a few thousand alleged 2C-B pills by claiming the drug was replacing cocaine. The following year, authorities in the city of Pereira arrested a leading member of the macho crime group, a partner of the Urabeños. Having taken over the country's growing two-sea trade from a captured Urdinola boss, investigators believed he was Colombia's largest distributor of synthetic drugs. Machos refined Tusi was now selling in Bogota, Medellin, and Cali, as well as Cartagena and Barranquilla. But violent competition was never far away. In October 2014, a struggle for control over Tusi sales in Cali led to an internal purge in the Urabeños crime group that murdered eight people. One faction had allegedly tried to break away and establish an independent Tusi trafficking network, cutting out the other faction now going from Colombia to the world. By 2015, the genie was out of the bottle. That April, U.S. and Colombian authorities arrested 18 members of synthetic drug trafficking group named Los Pri that used air shipments to traffic Tusi to five foreign countries, the U.S., Panama, Ecuador, Peru, and Chile. At first, Tusi was a new Colombian drug export. Then it was the Colombian refiners who became the export, teaching dealers across Latin America how to make their cocktail versions. These early adopters taught others, until a game-changing realization hit home, that as long as it was pink and powdered, any random combination of locally available drugs could be turned into 2C. After all, what was being sold was as much an idea as an experience. When it began to be revealed that the substance did not really have 2C-B in it, many people began to make it, to cook, as they say. Yeah. So this, it it makes so much sense how we've ended up in the current state of the world as it relates to to 2C and 2CB. Just that there's so many different people producing this in random hole in the wall kitchens. I cannot remind you enough that the majority of drugs that are made are literally made in some random dude's kitchen, just like throwing some random shit together. So just gotta be careful. And at this point, I've seen different batches of 2C powder that are not only pink, there'll be different shades of pink. I've seen purple, I've even seen yellow. And I guarantee you that these are other like, quote unquote, newer 2C makers and refiners who are trying to apply their own subtle brand to this substance. In 2016, Spain detained nine people, including several Colombians, for operating two refining labs in the greater Madrid area. It appeared the drug was being made with ketamine, cocaine, and methamphetamine. A statement by a Colombian drug testing project warned that until this point, 2C mostly contained ketamine, MDMA, and amphetamines. By around 2017, though, a list of increasingly dangerous new psychoactive substances began to appear in 2C recipes. These synthetics now appear regularly, cathinones, opioids, benzos, and a host of other high-risk substances. In 2021, a gang was even dismantled that put fentanyl into their 2C. Dealers convinced consumers that all this was normal, that this 2C-B drug they were increasingly hearing about in both reggaeton and guaracha music and the mass media was not a single molecule, but a mixture of different substances. In fact, it became accepted that 2C refiners would add an individual touch to their product, including various opioids and the psychedelic mescaline. Consumers, in turn, began to ask their dealers for 2C tailored to their personal preferences. Today, people themselves commission the substance. They phone the supplier and say, look, I want more downer 2C, or one that is more stimulating or even a psychedelic one. So now we've got to the point where... I've personally never heard of people like commissioning specific types of 2C, but even for me in the probably like eight to 10 batches that I've tried so far in my life, there are ones that I like significantly more than others. And it's because I can tell they make me feel a certain way. And again, that goes to show that you never fully know what to expect when you're buying 2C or even something branded as 2CB. And all the more important, just test it, find out what's in it, and decide if it's something that you're willing to take or not in the first place. Now, the final section, the post-millennial drug. Since 2017, 2C has therefore democratized, going from the fanciest nightclubs to the toughest streets. In 2012, 2C retailed at $71 per gram. As of mid-2022, it sells in Colombia for under $10 per gram. So it's a seventh of the cost that it was just 10 years ago. This loss of exclusivity has put off some of the drug's richer users, but has been more than compensated by the growth in the middle and working-class consumers. As of mid-2022, besides Colombia, TUSI is popular in the southern cone countries of Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay, as well as Spain and Panama. Open source research has also identified credible media reports of TUSI in Mexico, Costa Rica, Venezuela, Peru, Bolivia, and Paraguay. So... Very much big in Latin America, and I have seen it increasingly getting bigger in the U.S. as more people are learning about this drug. I know for me, I learned about it from a big party weekend in Tulum and then also one in Cancun. And with a lot of especially younger Americans partying in Mexico and counting this drug, they're definitely bringing it back home with them and, and wanting to source it there. The brand has somewhat evolved with the appearance of two seen other colors, including green and yellow. However, its consumption in Colombia and possibly across the region is thought to still be increasing. It's a very millennial drug, very post-millennial as well, Julian Quintero told the publisher. I consider it the greatest quote-unquote merchandising product of drugs in Colombia and maybe even in Latin America and the world. That's the end of the article, but... Man, I I honestly believe what this guy says in terms of this being just the greatest like merchandise product to come out of Latin America ever. Obviously, Latin America has a lot of exports, a lot of raw ingredients, crops, ores, things like that. And of course, plenty of other products, but it's so hard to measure just the scale, the volume of drugs. And we all know Colombia and and South America generally for cocaine, like that's what it's been historically. But as we Saw in the article, 2C was just something that was able to sell for so much more than cocaine. And even when I see 2C or 2CB at this point, you just don't know what's what. Whenever I see it for sale in the US, it is always significantly more expensive than cocaine. Like you might see cocaine anywhere from like 80 to $120 a gram, at least places I'm familiar with. Whereas 2C, you can see from 150 to like 220 because it is rare. It's harder to find. And most dealers don't sell it. It's very hard to find a source for it in the US which makes it rare, which means people can still be charging higher prices and it makes a lot of sense for producers throughout Latin America to continue making it because it's like you're not even limited to the single ingredient of cocaine. You kind of just put whatever the hell you want in it and just pass it off as pink powder, as as 2C. If there's one takeaway you have from this, it's that for the last time, absolutely test of your drugs, but particularly if you're doing 2C, just find out what the hell you're putting in your body. Uh, I make a point of testing every batch as soon as I get it, and I'll write down what ingredients are in it that I've identified to make sure that I am okay with them and that the other people who I may be offering my batch to are also okay with it. With that, I hope this was incredibly informative. I had a blast just learning about the history of 2C, and genuinely, I've never seen a more comprehensive source for all this in one place. Uh, So shout out to this website, Insight Crime, and I will link the article in the description below if you guys want to check it out, read it for yourself. There are quite a few associated articles that they link to that honestly would probably make for more very entertaining and informative reading if you guys want to check those out or if you want i'm happy to uh, go through a breakdown of one of those articles in a future episode as well that's the pod and i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day truly thank you for listening to the show we seriously fucking appreciate it if you want to help us out just leaving a rating or a comment you know the drill would be incredibly helpful but more importantly share the knowledge and the love with your friends make sure they're getting the information they need on this topic that is so underserved and underappreciated in today's society. We'll see y'all next week.